0: It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media.
1: Um, I didn't realize that it was Memorial Day, and and, um, we're partying,
0: and it's great. Consequence Podcast Network. I've never been
2: this nervous in my life.
0: And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here and checking out this series. Of course, you know what to do. If you like what you see and what you hear, hit that subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week. A new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists. And discover the new ones at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, WFBK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Recent episodes have included... Uh, let's see here, uh, Les Claypool from Primus, I've had on, uh, Brendan Hunt, he plays Coach Beard on Ted Lasso, Ricky Lee Jones, uh, the new pornographers, Belinda Carlisle of the Go-Go's, we had Phil Collin of Def Leppard on recently, as well as actors like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Wyatt Olive, Chase Suey Wonders, Travis Van Winkle, Jemima Kirk, And so much more. Uh, Just a few uh, recent episodes that you can find at the Kyle Meredith With Podcast. That's me, Kyle Meredith. Uh, Today, my guest, Stone Gossard of Pearl Jam. Once again, having him back. Uh, This time, well, we've got a lot of ground to cover, like always, whenever Stone drops by the show. Uh, First off, we're going to be talking about uh, the new album from his band, Brad. It's the final album after the passing of Sean Smith. It's called In the Moment That You're Born. And it arrives at the same time that they're celebrating the 30th anniversary of the very first Brad album called Shame. So Stone's going to reflect on the passing of uh, lead singer Sean Smith As well as how he drew inspiration back in the day from N.W.A. and Ice Cube for his guitar work. Uh, What's really fun, we're also going to discuss the the contrasting experiences of recording Shame uh, in comparison to uh, to Pearl Jam's 10, uh, Temple of the Dog's self-titled record, and Nirvana's Nevermind. Uh, In fact, we'll spend a bit of time in the early 90s and those recording sessions for those iconic records, uh, also including uh, verses. We'll talk a little bit about how how that all ramps up into verses and how they connect to the new Brad album, which actually features a cover of uh, Malfunction, which was Andrew Wood, uh, his uh, pre-Mother Love Bone band. Uh, Now, Stone's also going to share some insights on the 25th anniversary of Pearl Jam's Yield. I think that's my favorite Pearl Jam record. And I'll ask about the unreleased songs from that album and the possibility of that uh, Lost Dogs Volume 2 that we talked about last time. Uh, Stone's also going to, of course, give us an update on the next Pearl Jam album. It's being produced by Andrew Watts. We knew that. Andrew's a big old fan of Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. Uh, known also for his work, though, with Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez. And Stone says uh, Andrew's pushed him a little bit more for a more, bit of immediate sound. Uh, maybe, possibly, a classic sound for this upcoming release. So let's get into it. We're going to be talking about In the Moment That You're Born. It's Kyle Meredith with Stone Gossard.
1: Are you uh you're not you're not tired of me yet?
0: If you really want to make this a, an official annual thing, we just we just need to set it up in the calendar. I think I've okay. I've got plenty of questions every time. <laughs> it's great to have you back. Um, and with lots going on, uh, I'm I, I I'm of course going to hit on a little pearl jam later on, but uh, more more present, I guess, is uh, is Brad, which we got to talk about a little bit last time. But here you've got the final Brad album in the moment that you're born. And the thirtieth anniversary reissue of uh, of Shame.
1: That's been a work in progress for about um, uh, it's you know a couple of a couple of three years now, so uh, a little slow uh, on that journey, and um, for good reason, really. I think it was it was important for us just to take a breath and and then we we sort of moved through, kind of going through, sort of the the last recordings that we had with sean and and the band and um which was a really a good period of time for us you know it was a very optimistic period of time and um and we had done some of that recording and then i think put it on a shelf for a little while and then we're even coming back to it and it was uh it was really scheduled that uh sean and the band were going to get back together and even add more to what we were working on and um and uh, that was the the week that Sean passed. So uh, it was it was a very uh, difficult, yeah, just really sad, a really sad situation. Um, but it was uh, it was really nice to be able to go back and listen to these songs again, and uh, spend time with Keith Keith Lowe, who plays bass in the band, and Regan, and um, and uh, just spend some time together listening and um, and sort of marveling at what Sean did so naturally and um, and then sort of putting the final touches on um, what will be our last record. So it's uh, it was a labor of love for sure.
0: And I imagine that's, you know, such a unique situation to deal with an album like this when you, when you've had the passing of someone who's in those sessions and especially when you're dealing with one of the greatest voices of, uh, you know, all time in rock music, you know, it's Sean's voice has meant a lot to me out there, but but what does that mean at that point? I mean, understandably, you have to put some time and space in the sessions, you know, between recording them and, and finishing it, but what did it take to pull it across the finish line?
1: Uh, You know, we put on our hats of, we tried to put on our hats of what we, what we were thinking when we made the first record. I think that's always been the sort of the, the, the place where we had the most success and, and, and the most freedom and the sort of the most um enjoyment was sort of when we had nothing to lose and we were making a, the very first record we made it and um you know uh, it's an old story but you know we we we, we a friend of mine suggested we, we wanted to make a record um regan and sean and i and, and my friend um, alex rose and i suggested a bass player that he knew we'd never heard him play before and um, I was just feeling, you know, my oats at that time coming off, um, you know, ten and the and the tour, and thinking, well, you know, if, if I can do it in this band, these guys are amazing, and this is so different, and um, you you guys can do the same thing, and I, we just decided that we were gonna write a record and record it in in a week or you know maybe ten days, and and that's what we that's what we set out to do, and that's what we did. We just, you know, we would just we'd go into a practice studio, we'd smoke pot, and we'd kind of play around a little bit and we'd find something and we'd get it on tape and then that was a song. Like, you know, that was, and then and then we would try to play everything, you know, once a day going into the recording. And then as we did that, things developed a little bit more and sort of, you know, but we were able to remember kind of basic arrangements. We all played really simply and it was a very simple setup. Uh, Jeremy Toback, the bass player was, is an incredible bass player so we were totally blessed by his playing he totally transformed the band um and it was you know everything was made up on the spot um uh lyrics would be written you know as it was going down most a lot of them are just improvised um and um it was by the seat of our pants and it and it had some magic you know there was something there that was really special and i think we still made good music after that, but I think that we were always chasing that innocence that, you know, that first moment because uh, we didn't have any expectations and everybody was just in a very, uh, we were sharing, you know, as much as you can share. And I think that that's the most underrated um, element of any artistic project. I mean, music for sure, but others I'm imagining is that's the spirit of sort of opening yourself up to one, putting, thinking that you have something to bring to the party and also being open to the idea that, um, you might not, but somebody else might, um, have something that's, is equally cool or different. Um, and navigating every, you have to navigate a thousand um, sort of, uh, you have to navigate a thousand decisions together as a, as a group. And it's, you get, you know, you get fatigued by it at some point and you can kind of lock into certain things and certain ways of seeing things or even mindsets that, um, that make you feel like, well, I kind of know what I need to do here and, you know, let me just handle this or, you know, I got this and you got that. And, and it and it fragments like that really, really easily. So it's, it's a Again, I'm probably veering off your question, but it's just thinking about it reminds me of all that stuff about um, the the magic of of just sharing with each other and, and holding hands and jumping off a cliff and going, okay, let's see if we can do something.
0: And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies... Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Stone Gossard. What a spoiling situation, though. I mean, considering how quick the Brad record came together, how quick the Pearl Jam record sort of came together, the Temple record came together. When you finally had to do a record that took a while, that must have been (laughs) quite the different beast. You
1: You know, we were lucky enough after... You know, Ten wasn't a record that came together easily. Temple was. Temple was like Chris Cornell at his, you know... The height of his powers or, you know, as as strong of an artistic and musical and I mean, his engineering, his, you know, his lyrics, the diversity of his influences between him and Matt Cameron, there was there was so pro that we went in that just like just being carried by that you know what I mean like they were like yeah well you guys can bring in some stuff too and a couple riffs and fine we'll make them amazing um but that was you know the easiest record we've ever made because you know because of the incredible professionality of of Chris and Matt and we did our element that we added to you know they, they make Soundgarden records you can hear what a Soundgarden record sounds like and then you hear that record you know What we brought to that record was just this sort of, you know, maybe our feel, maybe our, you know, uh, just a little bit more of the blues, a little bit more, a little bit more soulful in terms of kind of where it was coming from Um, and which suited Chris's voice like amazingly. It's like, oh, my God, it also, you know, not only is he like this, you know, Golden God singing from a mountaintop, you know, but he also has this element of like a true freaking, you know, um, soul singer, you know, Um, and it only got more, you know, here's solo stuff and even other, you know, it's like Burden in My Hand or Soundgarden songs where it's just like transcendent, you know, in terms of a lyric and a voice at the same time, it's, it's, it's amazing. So we worked, but when we went in to make 10, we were kind of spoiled with that and then thinking, oh, we'll just go in and do that same thing again. And then it it wasn't that we had a new singer and we were, you know, uh, we were, you know, we didn't have the leadership of Chris and Matt at that point. We had to kind of work it out amongst ourselves. And we 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 labored that one more than we should have. But the good thing was that after that, we we started working with Brendan O'Brien and Brendan O'Brien, was fast as well Brenan O'Brien didn't want to mess around if something wasn't fun or like happening soon let's move on to something else and that was good enough and I'll fix it you know later and you know all you know so he was and so we did keep moving quickly and that that we were able to do that with Pearl Jam and the first five records are pretty much kind of just us learning a song we're playing it once or four times and then that's kind of it and it shows because some of them are great and some of them are kind of half baked a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, and that's part of what people love about him now is like, isn't it great that those guys were so kind of lazy and sloppy that they just left that, you know, part the way it was, or, you know, if Gossard could hear what was going on, he'd know that's actually a minor part, not major, but he's refusing to listen to it. So he's just continuing to play as, (laughs) you know what I mean? All that stuff. So, you know, whether you like it or not, that's we did work. We did work fast. But um, but as far as the writing side of it, you know, that Brad record, um, that was really group writing. We've done some of that in Pearl Jam, too. But mostly Pearl Jam was like, bring your riff in and kind of we'll, we'll build it up. And that's still not quite the same as like that sort of like just start something. But. Don't dominate it. Like start it and see where it goes and actually be able to kind of stay with each other. That's that's very sort of that's uh, trust exercise for
0: sure. And it, it's reminding me of when Sean, when when uh, 20th Century starts on the Shame record. And I think it's Sean or somebody saying we found the groove. Yeah. yeah. And then, like everything you like, you found the groove. You found the groove so seemingly easy with that band with with Brad. Yeah, yeah, and that's an incredible record. a Shame, and that's you know, it's
1: Regan Hagar always had that sort of his backbeat was always just really, really, um, had a lot of feeling to it, and malfunction was so important in Seattle and and his spirit in that band, um, and then that you know the guitar lick, it's it's very you know Paul Soldier, um. um It's it's me listening to a lot of NW and Ice Cube and just really just all thinking about was just like the pulse and like repetitive patterns that just get you mesmerized. And it doesn't sound like any of those things, but it's when you put them all together, then it's, you know, and then Sean playing, you know, not being a strong keyboard player, being a tasty one knew what he wanted, but like very much an amateur like everybody else with just two and three note little runs that were just kept it really simple. And then just courageously let his voice to say anything or be anywhere. And you can hear that honesty in his voice. It's like, that's when it gets good. You know, Is like, he'll, he'll get onto something where he's, he's, he's feeling it in a particular way and it translates into voice. It translates into, you know, that, Spine tingling aspect of his performance,
0: and on and on throughout that record, and, and and it was almost surprising. I know at the time, even how different your playing was, and and again, we're talking about things happening very naturally, and here you are in this group setting. So of course it's gonna. And the only time I feel like the DNA is there, shared DNA with maybe you know what you were doing at Pearl Jam, uh, is the song "My Fingers." Like, it's right. about, like, that's about, do you feel like it was important for you to kind of have that distinction at the time?
1: I wanted to be, I wanted to do the opposite. You know, I, I, you know, I'd been doing, you know, I wanted to be a minimalist in, in, in Brad. And that's, that's what was exciting to me. And I just, at the time, like I said, I was feeling my oats. I was like, anything can happen. Like the world is, if, 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 this if 10 can become this popular record, which to me, it's like 10 is it's a it's a it's a fucking it's a cool record but it's it's not like some it's not it's nirvana has this el, this this fully like pop element of how the strong the songs are constructed and the way the vocal lays across the beat and the this you know very strong sort of sensibility in terms of melody and and pop that is and it's heavy and it's lyrically amazing and it's like beautiful but the pro record wasn't really, it didn't have like pop elements. It had, it was more like we were trying to be kind of arty and punk at the same time, but also we were listening to heavy metal and like, you know, and, and the seventies. And so it, it was, a, it's still a record that surprises me how much people think it's a great record because I do think it's a great record, but I think it's stuff that I can't see about it. You know, it's, it's the, it's the, Again, it's the the mixing of of the alchemy of that combination of things just says one thing to some people. And to me, I'm looking at it kind of like it's a lot of parts and it's kind of, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but that's my analytical sort of perspective. So it's fun. I'm glad it all worked out.
0: <laughs> glad it all worked out. It might be a bit of an understatement. That was, um you know, and, and I've, I've talked about this before, so it's no real news. It's a bit of blasphemous, you know, to other Pearl Jam fans. 10 was not my... Tin was my entry point along with everybody else's at the time, but it wasn't my favorite. I mean, that would yeah. come later on in the catalog. I have appreciated tin. I like tin. For the first year, I think I put it on to put me to sleep sometimes, but uh, <laughs> it was verses that I picked up and I became a huge fan.
1: Yeah, that's and that's what my instinct would be too. That's where I feel like we sort of like we showed the kind of, you know, we took the elements of tin that were like working and some of the and didn't have so much of the kind of confusing sort of, you know. Overly arranged or overly played. I mean, it was just—it was more visceral, more. And Ed was just—you know—Ed was more involved in the writing of it. It wasn't him just kind of laying over an arrangement that was sort of already built, and he had to figure it out. It was—it was—it was more straightforward. So I'm—I'm I'm with you.
0: Sort of bridging that, you know, as we're as we're already doing this, you know, present in the past on this uh, new Brad record in the moment that you're born, uh, you all cover malfunction. Uh, with stars in you where uh, how did that one happen
1: uh i i think me and regan were just talking about doing redoing that song and we just thought it'd be fun if we did a cover of it you know and this was um this i don't even this this was probably 10 years ago that we did it and we just uh i think it was just we just had the studio for a day and went in there and blasted it out and um it's you know, malfunction, it just there's such a special place in my heart for malfunction and how much Andy Wood influenced me and how much he affected a lot of people that were in Seattle music at the time that I would see at clubs and stuff, because of his musical diversity and his sense of humor and and his love of both like I mean, he was underground but only because that's was, that's who was coming to see him play. You know, like he was, he loved a lot of different stuff. So that would have made him a freak and people, you know, wouldn't have bought him as a, you know, well, I mean, who knows? I, I, I don't know, but I just think that his, his influence, his ability to kind of spread his sort of vision about music and humor and love was, you know, tangible and um you know visceral um so he really had an, a, a huge impact on me and I have always been chasing that you know the, the that same feeling that he would give me um in in just encountering him on the streets or playing music with him or listening to his you know um ambient music that he would make sort of these bizarre Brian Eno you know, um you know falsetto mixtapes where he would use his blaster and he would like record on one side of a cassette and then he figured way he could keep he could keep recording on another side of the tape so he could do tracks and then do it over and over again and they would just be this noisy thorough musical landscapes he's always been so impactful and and that song you know that came out on the Uh, deep six record which was kind of when all of us were kind of like oh this you know had a bunch of stuff going on in Seattle it's the first time we were on vinyl and um or on a record and uh it was just a a song that was really close to my heart and and Regan's and it's uh it's punk rock you know I mean it's like they they were they were they loved Kiss and Prince and they played punk rock so at that time that was a revelation it's not a revelation anymore it's like you know, everything's mashed together now and it's, you know, but it, at the time it wasn't, you know.
0: And we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Stone Gossard. And then, you know, in flashing forward now to hear this recording with you all doing it, hearing, you know, Sean all over this record. Yeah. And, and and I don't know, maybe it's that's because that's was the lens I was sort of hearing it because there is that looking back a little bit with the malfunction track and then knowing, you know, Sean wasn't around much longer after this. Did you get a sense of where he was? I mean, it it sounds like, you know, it's track, like take me back home. Like there is a bit of taking stock happening.
1: Yeah. I I think that, I think he was in a frame of mind in that, in that way. Um, You know, all of us, are very aware of our mortality at this point there's not a day that goes by that i'm not running into somebody who's my age or 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 older where we're looking at each other going you know it's like you know how many times did you get up and go to the bathroom last night uh you know like you know have you had your you know colonoscopy yet like you know it's 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 coming and um and and that's a that's a real place to be is like you know, to be thinking about that your time on this planet is limited, you know? So um, yeah, he, he was, he was in that frame of reference, but honestly the spirit, the week before he died, it was nothing but text messages talking about, Oh my God, we have all these songs and we're going to do, here's, i got three more and you're going to do this and we're going to fix this, this way. And, you know, there was so much enthusiasm and so much like, again, the spirit of, of of thinking about our first record talking about it and just saying you know how do we do that how do we find our way to that place where we're not you know we're trusting each other you know and really like and just kind of going in with open with an open mind and unfortunately we didn't get a a chance to do that again but we did get a chance to do that quite a bit so Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I, I love, especially with the the reissue of Shame happening too, how those two records kind of get to exist, you know, as as sort of this not as one thing, but you know, in a similar thing. And uh, are you? I mean, um, you know, it does bring up the question for me. You're such a big fan. Do you think you're going to do the same thing for Interiors with a with a reissue?
1: Yeah, no, I think I think we'll do vinyl for for the Brad stuff for sure. Um, and that's just something we're kind of um getting going now um you know with with both loose groove and some of these things that'll be either on loose groove or closely related to them um we'll we'll be doing more vinyl so for sure vinyl interiors for sure some uh sean solo stuff um there'll be there'll be lots of stuff limited kind of stuff that for people that are really hardcore so
0: i love that because not having interiors on vinyl has always been a sore spot for me. That's one of my favorites right there. <laughs> um, Loose Groove, you mentioned it, by the way. So uh, I've been playing the hell out of the Brittany Davis uh, new track, So Fly. Uh, that's great. It's so good. It's insane.
1: On the on a, another plane right now. So um, and that's all Brittany. The whole production, all those horn lines at the end, that's, that's Brittany just, I mean arranging that stuff in like seconds like it's it's crazy
0: you know so good it's so good but i noticed i noticed a few years ago around the time you i guess you were relaunching loose groove that that became the the thing for everybody all the members of pearl jam is what i'm getting to it used to be it felt like everything was monkey wrench and then suddenly everybody's got their own little imprints was that person what was that i mean what's is there a story there Oh, probably. I mean, (laughs) but here's the thing.
1: It's like all of us want to, all of us like to do stuff, you know, and it ends up kind of wanting to be differentiated because you can kind of run it through, but do you want to, we already negotiate with each other about so much, you know, in terms of music and stuff like that. Sometimes it's better to kind of let something exist more outside of that, the Pearl Jam world, you know, and if it's real, Pearl Jam World can acknowledge it and sort of, you know, but, but, you know, it's, it needs to be real. And I think part of it is for these artists that I'm working with is wanting it to be real and really wanting it to, you know, um, I want to, I want some of these artists to succeed. I want all of them to. um, And I believe that um, we kind of have a great little thing going right now with, you know, with Regan and I's relationship and our kind of history together and our love of, you know, of, of a lot of different kinds of music. Regan's ear. Regan has always been such an enormous influence on me in terms of art and in terms of exposing me to music that I would have never listened to in a million years. And Billy Jean uh, Cerulo, who's over at uh, The Orchard, who's our third partner and is a wizard and understands how um, record companies work and how it works at radio and a lot of these sort of um, archaic, uh not the knowledge is uh is very specialized um it's just been it's been a blast it's like a little band on its own so there's no there's no real story i think monkey ridge kind of never really kind of got off the bat there was a couple maybe there's a pearl jam record that came out on monkey ridge but it was really universal the whole time you know so it was that was more of a that was more of an imprint thing that wasn't really no, nobody felt like they owned it you know
0: I was gonna say it's. I mean, I, I do love the freedom it's given you with Loose Groove. Uh, I know we've talked about it before. The Chicago uh, Cab soundtrack was a really influential disc to me <laughs> oh, in the wow. '90s. You know, and yeah. as as sort of a showcase for what you were yeah. doing, um, yeah. you know, putting out in your taste at the time. What What is the Loose Groove story right now? Um, you know, I'm jumping ahead in timelines. I think here, but you know, we're talking Britney Davis already, and and yep. and of course, Painted Shield. You know, has been around, and and all this. Like, what else is coming?
1: And Shield 3 will be done, I hope, in the next couple of months. So that's that's coming. Um, again, Matt Chamberlain having had an enormous impact. Brittany Davis will be, those two will be featured on that and will be amazing. Um, uh, Britt just um, uh, co-produced uh, and uh, did some production on an artist uh, named Zozier that we're, that we're working with right now um the new tiger cub uh it gets released in I, next week week and a half or something like that um they've got a new single coming out um show me your maker which is freaking incredible heavy rock song um james and the cold gun another uh english rock band there's ba- there's bands we want to sign right now um we're in love with this band called bad nerves from uh the uk um and we keep telling them that we really want to put the record out. We haven't, we haven't got them yet, but, uh, they're, they're a really, really good band. Um, and, um, yeah, the Brittany Davis record is the one that's coming next though. Um, that we're really, uh, excited about. Um, and there'll be re-releases like, like you said, like, uh, more Brad records on vinyl. Um, I got a couple of solo records that'll come out on vinyl at some point too. So
0: oh, wait, are um, you putting out Bayleaf on vinyl? I think
1: so. I think that'll be the, that'll be the plan.
0: Bayleaf was the long, like. Sorry to interrupt you there. Let me compliment you because Bayleaf should have been heard way more than it was at the time. And I remember, <laughs> like, so I was early in radio when it came out, and I remember, uh, I don't remember who was working at Epic Records at the time, but it came in the mail, and I had to call them, and I was like, "Oh my God, you know, Stones put out a solo record," and they're like, "Yeah, you know, we're just kind of servicing it," and I'm like, "Why are you? Why is uh, you know, there were songs on there?" No Cadillac and
1: And they're trying to keep me down.
0: it's a great record it really is a great record
1: it's fun that it exists and I I think it's going to be more enjoyable for me to put it out on vinyl now and kind of be able to kind of uh, you know it's been literally 20 years which is insane because that felt like in the middle of it all you know still so that just shows you how long it's been around but yeah so we'll be doing a lot of that stuff I'm trying to think if there's one other thing too Uh, Keith Lowe, the bass player for Brad, has an ambient record that's coming out. It's going to be freaking great, beautiful record. Um, Yeah, so we're just more and more stuff and we're just having a blast doing it. And it's so much fun to get, oh, Johnny Polanski record will be out uh, next week, I think. Um, Love working with Johnny. It's just, I get to get demos and people record stuff and they send them to me and I get to just be enthusiastic and just be like, sounds great, you know, keep going, that's a great path, or, you know, we've got a, we've got a couple like this now, what, you know, what, what is something you wouldn't normally do, where, where, you know, where do you want to go, you know, like, it doesn't matter about this or that, just being able to kind of be that voice that is encouraging and facilitating in terms of helping an artist get a record done and and not overthink it and, and to believe in it, and then, you know, um, hopefully create a home where they can make more records and it doesn't mean they're going to be huge, but in the long run, if we're all kind of collaborating and kind of working together, that, that network can be really supportive and a really like helpful way for an artist to kind of have all the work they need to do. So that when that moment does arrive, where there is an opportunity for them to kind of go to the next level, because a song gets in a soundtrack or, you know, or something happens where a song is just getting, attention or they're or they're performing in a way or they're working with another artist and they're collaborating in a new way all that material is still available for folks and and they'll have a you know so i you know i like community i like and this record label is nice as a way of being in community
0: well i love the stuff you put out i love working with billy Jean. i know we sang her praises a minute ago she's fantastic i've known her for quite a long time too yeah and 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 having a team like that is important and of course i'll use that as a seg because because i'm sure they take a little bit of the weight when the the pearl jam beast starts cranking back up and you have are you all still recording is that still happening we're getting close we're getting close to the finish line close to the finish line i'm glad you didn't say we're getting close to starting because that's what i thought you were saying for a second
1: no 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 we've 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 been recording for you know a year or so and and it's it, it hasn't been constant we we did some recording and then we took a break and then we we're we've done some more and so we're we're getting closer and closer so it's uh it's gonna be a good one
0: so are you guys working with someone this time like i seem i feel like i remember hearing news that you were working with a person who produced ed's solo record
1: andrew Watt, who's a big time pop producer fucking hilarious and not only a big time pop producer, but the most hardcore Pearl Jam fan that you'll ever meet and can play all of our songs and all of Soundgarden songs back at us and on a on a better than we can play them. And um, and so he's a he's a real fan. But he's, you know, East Coast Jewish kid that grew up, you know, immersed in Pearl Jam, you know, in particular, that world, the East Coast kind of the. You know, even the, the sort of Jewish East Coast thing, there's this like hardcore Pearl Jam fan. It's like, and he was one of them. And it's it's been such a joy to make a record with him. Um, he's so enthusiastic. He's young and, you know, bouncing off the walls and um, just loving um, uh, the opportunity to work with us. And we're totally being blessed by him because he's just... He's energizing us. I think that's what you'll hear on the record is that there's just good energy.
0: What What is that? I mean, having someone who knows you all inside of having someone who's that kind of fan, does he does that mean that he has sort of an idea of the Pearl Jam he wants to hear? Yeah. Like, and I guess what I'm saying is, th- does that direct you guys past to it to, to a to an earlier sound or something, I guess is what I was getting at.
1: You'll have to be the judge of that. You know, I think it's an energy that he's looking for. You know, that feeling, you know, see, he's he's a fan club member. He's fucking seen the band 50 times, you know, just like, but he's also literally a top flight pop producer. I mean, you know, he's like making Justin Bieber records and, you know, he's making, you know, Selena Gomez and, you know, what, all of that stuff. But that's not where his, you know, he, he likes pop. I'm more of a pop fan than he is. So, but uh, it's, it's, it's fun and, and we're, and we're getting closer. So at some point we'll, uh, we'll have a record out.
0: At some point. Uh, it's exciting. Cause I mean, obviously I love everything you did, I've, I've, you know, all the records, uh, even in the past decade, I say all the records in the past decade, I'm not going to let you off. There's been two records in the past decade, but, <laughs> but you know, hearing that we're going to get back at it in in you're right you're probably too close to to talk about even what this i know how that is you know to even know what it sounds like i personally like it's 25th anniversary of yield uh this year yield is actually probably that's the one i go to most i've let go of the word favorites i go to yield more than anything else when i go you know for an older album but but to kind of hear that uh, album what i loved about it was there was sort of of course that was the great rock comeback uh as it's been told in the press um but there was this sort of pop rock element at the same time there was still the weird Pearl Jam and I really love when those two kind of connect if you know what I mean
1: Jack Irons you know that's a it's it's the kind of the apex of our sort of Jack Irons era and Jack is a gentleman and a f- amazing musician and it was it was so great to play music with um and um, you know Brendan O'Brien again, you know um, playing a, a, a really key role in that. I think it was close to around the time that we also made Mirrorball, so there was some some of that kind of energy going around if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And um, yeah, we were all all of us were writing at that point. All of us were really kind of believing in 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 the power of of being in a band and. Um, and I still had something to prove and uh it's 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 a record that we we play a lot live people respond to those songs and again you don't know why something is ends up being magical to your fans you just are just thankful that it does you know so there's a lot of records where we were making them that I was thinking this is not it's not good enough or or we we should have redone this or done that or whatever and you know 20 years later it's sounds great you know it's like i wouldn't want to change any of it you know so but you so we, we've done that a lot that's we're, we're strong at, at that aspect of it i think this new record will end up being a, a great combination of things that sound um uh not worked over high energy but um uh, executed well
0: would love to hear it and uh and, and i won't ask you this again because i've asked you before maybe multiple times but you, you all did give us the box sets of those first three records. And I thought they were going to continue. And I thought there was going to be the Jack Irons era with no code and yeah. yield. And that's never came. I'm not asking you, but I'm still saying it's not here yet.
1: I don't know anything about it, but I'm sure it's coming.
0: Do you remember what's in the vault for that? Like I know we heard some B sides and everything. Do you think there's a, a lot in the vault for that era? I do not know. I, do, I don't know. There There may be, there may be some tracks
1: that we haven't heard. There's a we're getting a pretty good buildup of 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 lost dogs at this point so um there's that that might be more uh more likely uh next is uh is more of a all eras sort of uh songs that uh didn't quite make the cut that you guys can now listen to and go how could you have not put that song out it's my favorite and we'll go okay put it out and we'll play it
0: off Dogs Volume Two, <laughs> you've got those uh, you've got those songs. I'm sure with the bands that you like too. You know, sure. you, you like you get you get into like you, the B sides and, and or or the you know the, uh, the the anniversary issues. You're like, what the hell, man? That was so good.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I love, I love what you all do. I love what you do. Um, in the moment that you're born, this Brad record. Uh, I know it's a conclusion, and it's such a great conclusion. Yeah, man. And I can't wait to hear what happens with uh, Pearl Gym next. I know you guys are also going to tour with Inhaler later this year. Uh, that Inhaler record, Cuts and Bruises, is one of my favorite albums of the year. Oh, great. Yeah, Great. There's such a great, great. one.
1: Well, yeah, that's right. That's Those are dates coming up in September. That's who we're playing with. Let's start listening to Inhaler right now.
0: It's Bono's kid. That's who it is. It's a uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stone, thank you so much, as always. Uh, I'm so glad we got to do this again.
1: Yeah, really nice to see you, Kyle, and I, I appreciate your time. Thank you.
0: And my thanks to Stone Gossard. Again, Brad, final album in the moment that you're born and 30th anniversary of Shame. You can look for those now. And uh, be looking forward to that new Pearl Jam album whenever that uh, arrives as well. It's feeling like probably, what is that, a next year type of thing if I had to guess. Thanks to Stone. Thanks to you. Uh, for checking out the series, I do hope you hit that subscribe button. Again, you're going to get three new interviews every single week, new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to keep you up to date on your favorite artists. And discover the new ones, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with... And then after that, head over to wfpk.org. It's I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. That's Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern at wfpk.org. One of my recent shows, uh, you would uh, hear uh, music from the English Beat and Simple Minds, Concrete Blonde, Elliot Smith, The Who, The Police, The Smiths, Meat Puppets, Fishbone, Tori Amos, Beck, Fleet Foxes, Leonard Cohen, A Tribe Called Quest, Blur, Eurythmics, and I, uh, I talked with Bowen Yang of Saturday Night Live fame. We got to talk about the, uh, the new season of Aquafina is Nora from Queens. That's just a recent episode uh, of uh, my show that starts 6 p.m. each weekday at WFPK.org. <laughs> consequence they've got your music and film news of course you can also find me on the social media spots twitter facebook instagram all three of them the address is at kyle meredith so do hope you like and follow along that does it for another edition i'm kyle meredith i'll see you next time Consequence Podcast Network. I I didn't calculate this one right.
1: Is it possible that we could do this uh, in like four hours? It's
0: easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker. Live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.